All right, boys, I'm ready if you guys are. Mark, then you Mark, have Mallory. Audacity up. Audacity. Hit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so you remember, I'll say three, two, one, record. We all hit record at the same time. Well, I got to find the stupid record button again. Idiot. It's the, the big red circle. I see it. Yep. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PEBCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 47 of 2023. I'm Chris Louie, and happy Thanksgiving to all our U.S. listeners. I'm planning on eating so much turkey this year that I pass out sleeping. With me, I have my co-host, Duke Silver, who always eats until he hates himself the next day. You, you remember the, uh, the quote from last year, which was Jim Gaffigan. Thanksgiving's not over when I'm full. Thanksgiving's over when I hate myself. And uh, I caught an audible this year, guys. I'm not actually going to cook a full turkey because what I've noticed is all the white meat is gone by the time I go to get some. And it's all it's only dark meat. I don't care for dark meat. Nobody else does my family turkey either. So I just bought five turkey breasts that I will be smoking and having a good old time. Sounds amazing. You'll have to invite me next year. You're always invited, Chris. Open invitation. Well, thank you. But not your family. (laughs) Just me. (laughs) Just you. And we do not have Glenn Medina this week, who has been battling the flu, so we wish him a quick recovery on that one. I guess he's been the one licking the doorknobs now. I know. For all all the talk of how good his immune system is and he never gets sick, now he's the one that's out with the flu. Our guest this week, though, is friend of the show, Ben Coral. I got to see Ben last week at New Hire Training and hand-delivered his PebCAC podcast laptop sticker. Welcome back, Ben. Walker's Coral. <laughs> Just happy to be here. Happy to be stickered, to, to put a sticker on that laptop. And I, I must say, you know, five turkey breasts, that, that's going to be impressive. Yeah, I mean... I don't know if it is or not. We'll have, well, we always have a lot of people show up. And by the way, where did you put your your PebCAC sticker on your laptop? PebCAC sticker. It, it is front top center on the work laptop, but on the personal laptop, it is bottom right. Oh, man. Two party fouls. It should have been upper right, just like the quadrant. You know, we're always a leader. You missed it, man. <laughs> just like the Gartner. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Up, up and to the right. Up and to the right, baby. Well, we thank Ben for coming on. Glenn had been unusually silent in a group chat all week, so we knew something was wrong. And then this morning he says, uh, guys, I'm not going to make it. So I, I think I gave Ben maybe two. Yeah, I gave him two hours notice, and he came through, and he, he agreed to be on the show today. So thank you, Ben. I heard he, yeah, he canceled on the president of the United States. He's like, you know what? <laughs> this... This podcast is way more important. Yeah, he's he's out here by me right now. I can tell because I oh, keep hearing helicopters down? fly over. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the, the U.S. I president, heard a dog barking. the president of China, is here as well. The city is completely shut down, and I'm avoiding it like the plague. All right, then. can it be a president of China? Isn't that the dictator of China? Yeah, I mean, it's official title. You're not fooling anybody. Yeah. Six on one hand, half a dozen on the other, you know. <laughs> He's an all-around good guy, president. You're like, mm, I don't know. 
listener of the show for sure. <laughs> listener, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> Which is why Brian is going to have a you know somebody visiting him very soon. Yeah, negative social credit score. <laughs> As a reminder, this is our second to last episode before we go on break for the month of December. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Brian is recording from the airport this week, which I think is hilarious, so we'll see how well the audio comes out. DCA, baby. We're over here. Reagan National. It's actually a pretty sexy airport. Like it, it's got some architecture to it. I'm digging it. The people, not so much. You know, I, I was going to say, it's a sexy airport, but now that you're in there, the people inside, yeah, not sexy. Extra oh, sexy now. Yeah. <laughs> bald yeah, and beautiful, ex- baby. Bald is the new beautiful. I, I always talk about a, a vanity URL. I'm talking with customers. I'm like, yeah, I call it like it's a portal page. Bald is the you know, new beautiful.wa.com. Everyone's like, ha, ah, whatever, loser. <laughs> You're just trying to make up for your lack of ability to grow hair on your head. That's true. You can't say that. I had it lasered off, Chris. That's true. This week, we're going to talk about the SWAT reshipping service, a malicious URL shortening service. For our third topic, the FBI does something useful for once and close with driverless car talk. Wow. So hopefully that malicious uh, URL shortening is zero calories because I am tired of all that useless calories I get with those things. Yeah. The the full fat shortening, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, zero cal, zero, zero carbs, zero sugar, URL shortening service. Just drink water. We're talking about the same thing. (laughs) For our first topic, friend of the show, Brian Krebs, did an amazing two-part series uncovering who was behind the SWAT reshipping service. Let's take a step back and define what a reshipping service is. Reshipping services offer the ability for people to order things that they normally would be prohibited from being shipped to their country. So not necessarily something illegal, but by policy, they won't ship it across borders. For example, when I worked at Iron Key, we had an online store, but we would only ship to U.S. addresses. If someone wanted to buy one and could not find a retailer in their country, they could order from our e-store, ship it to a reshipping service here in the U.S., and then the reshipping service would ship it to the final destination for a fee, of course. A malicious reshipping service does something similar, but with goods purchased with stolen credit cards. The malicious reshipping service recruits unknowing people with work-from-home jobs as reshippers, and they would be based here in the U.S. A scammer uses a stolen credit card to buy an expensive handbag or an Apple laptop and sends it to the recruited reshipper here in the U.S. The reshipper receives the item and a prepaid shipping label, then sends the package off to Russia or some other country and is supposed to receive a percentage of the item's cost as their fee. However, the reshippers are paid once every 30 days, so after working diligently for 29 days and they're about to get paid, the scammers cut off all contact with the reshipper and they get nothing for unwitting, unwittingly participating in the scam. You know, I'm, I'm tired of us, like, casting stones at Russia. Like, maybe we should just do a find and replace and just say Canada from now on. Yeah, <laughs> they're not perfect either. They're not, they're not perfect either. 
Yeah, you know, those Canadians running all those reshipping scams. They might. You never know. I, I mean, you've got that entrepreneurial spirit here of, you know, starting that this reshipping service or the reshipping service that's there. Uh, but, wow, you do have to feel bad about those who are out there trying to find a legitimate work from home job. You think you find it. You'd work it for, well, you said, what, 29 days? 29 days, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you're, you're expecting that, that paycheck. Now, the other thing is, were you expecting a hard check? Or did you give your bank credentials away for a direct deposit as well? So is that going to be double whammy? Yeah, double dipping on the scammers. I think you have to wonder, though, like when you're doing this, it's like, oh, what am I shipping today? Some napalm? Hmm. Seems legit. Nuclear warhead? <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. You know what I mean? Like, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Correct. And where are you shipping it? I mean, it's, that's that thing is, does it pass the sniff test? Does this make sense? Is this, as you just said, Brian, is this too good to be true? And, and you're offering me $1,000 to do it, too. You know? Oh, okay. Often it sounds like awesome. something that Chris would fall for, though. <laughs> Reshipping <laughs> service. I actually know someone that my someone in my wife's circle they all almost fell for one of those Nigerian prince type scams they, they he listed his Xbox for sale on Craigslist and someone said oh you know I uh, I'm gonna have a friend pick it up or I'm gonna send you a check for a thousand dollars then you send me a check for 500 plus the Xbox and he was like at the UPS store packaging it up and he was talking to the UPS guy about where it's going and who what he's doing the UPS store person like this this is a total scam don't do it don't do it <laughs> dude the all-around good guy UPS store employee what if he got fired for like refusing to take business though I think it's both sides right because if you if you don't tell them like the whole Western Union scam thing like if you don't do enough due diligence then you can get in trouble for that too because I think they got in trouble that like there's all these really suspicious activity reports and suspicious transactions. The Western Union said nothing. And then they got in a bunch of trouble for that. Like you should have known, you should have warned people that this is a scam. Well, and that's the thing, you know, kudos, uh, you know, for the FedEx or, you know, the, the UPS folks that understand these scams that call them out as well. So they are doing their due diligence. They're being taught how to identify these because that happens a lot with, with elderly yeah. And, you know, yeah. especially with the Western Union scams of, ooh, my, my grandson was in a car accident. I have to quickly send twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. And you know, they may not have that, but of course, it's their grandchild. So they're scraping and scrimping in order to do this. And they're going to lose that money if they're not protected by that that worker at that UPS store. Yeah, banks as well. I I, I watch a lot of those like scammer payback type videos and when they walk you through the anatomy of how the actual attack works, they tell people that says, yeah, go to your bank, withdraw $15,000 in cash. They'll likely ask you what it's for. Tell them it's for apartment repairs. Like they walk you through how to bypass all the checks that the bank is supposed to do when you withdraw large amounts of cash. Wow. Coaching, that, uh... coaching in order to do it. That's, that's wild. Yeah. But, you know, whatever it takes, find a way or make way. Someone said that once. I'm not too sure who it was. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, yeah, back in the day when I used to, like, 
uh, buy old Linksys routers and then throw DDWRT on it and then sell it on eBay. I remember I had, like I had explicitly explicitly put in there like I said will not ship international. And I had a guy come through. And he's like, he bought it. And he's like, oh, I missed it. And he's like, I'm in Canada. Can I still buy it? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't trust you, man. Like, just I know it's Canada, but like I was just skeptical of anything. And he was like faxing me his driver's license and the utility bill. Like he, he really <laughs> he wanted really his wanted router. router. <laughs> yeah. Did you send it to him? I gave Brian? in. I I did. It turned out to be legitimate. It was a, okay. He was a pretty good guy. All right. Yeah. Unfortunately, just way too many scammers out there now. But that, yeah, this reshipping service is one way that people can actually monetize those stolen credit cards because that's half the battle is you get this stolen credit card, you get the dumps, but how do you actually make money off it? You could do put on an ATM card, do cash withdrawals. That's too risky because you have to physically go to the ATM. The ATM has a camera or you can use something like this reshipping service buy expensive goods, then have them reshipped to you. I remember I went to my my first new hire training in uh f5 and all the people that came in international brought like an extra suitcase and they were they were just balling out hard man they were just buying everything you can imagine like cell phone wise and then taking it back to their country and reselling it yeah yeah that's exactly where i was going i you know back to your 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 guy from canada i'm like would it not be easier for him just to cross the border buy one and, and walk right back across across the border. And I, I was going to give that example of, I used to have, you know, work colleagues who would come from overseas and now they're buying a couple MacBook pros and they're taking it back. They're buying iPhones and taking it back, all of that. And like, you don't understand how much cheaper it is just to buy it in the States, put it in the suitcase and go back. So yes. Don't you have to declare it though? I mean, technically, yes, you have to pay customs on it. But I think if you like market for personal use, you're allowed up to a certain point. I don't remember what the limit is, like 10,000 or something. Like, If it's not an obvious resell, like you're not coming up with 20 MacBooks in a, a suitcase, it's probably okay. Like if you bring two or three. Actually, so I take that back. My One of my buddies went to an SKO in Mexico City. He brought two laptops with him. He's like working his personal. And then when he came back to the... I think when he was coming back to the U.S., he was exiting Mexico Customs, and they, like, nail him on customs duties for having a second laptop with him. And my buddy thinks it's just, it was it was just a shakedown, which is probably true. But <laughs> if you ever go to Mexico and you come out with two laptops, you might get hit with those custom duties. You know, I think... You know, b- back in the day, I traveled with a Linux and a Windows laptop. And this is, you know, pretty, you know, dual boot so I always traveled with two and that was, you know, international travel as well. So you'd always run into that and it's like, okay, why, why are you hassling me? And then you're having to boot and show them that they're different operating systems, hoping they understand different <laughs> yeah, operating yeah. systems. <laughs> what is Dang, what, Ben was over the there like the yeah, two phone, you know that thing like the two phones, the burner phone? Ben's over here with the burner laptop running Linux. I love it. I have relatives that live out of country, and whenever they come to visit, they do exactly that. They bring an empty suitcase, they load up on iPads and stuff. But the for the thing for them, actually, it was interesting to me, at least. So it's, it's North Face jackets. Those sell for cheap here, and it's like 10 times more in their country. Uh, Levi's jeans, I guess, are really popular over there. And then the weirdest one for me was the cordless tool batteries. I think that was another thing that they 
take over there as well. And they said they're, they're way more expensive over there. So they just load up on these things and then resell it over there. And they said oftentimes the stuff they bring back, the profit they make pays for their whole trip coming over here. Dang, those, uh, those Irish relatives of yours are pretty cheap. <laughs> Close. Yeah, you're, actually, you're not that far off from, from where they actually come from. <laughs> See, I don't assume anything, Chris. True. Well, just be careful with those work-from-home jobs. If it's too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> and, and, and make sure that you don't give your bank account information away. Uh, and has to be paid, I guess, what, at day 15 <laughs> or what? Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's, that's why, like, here in the U.S., by law, you know, if you work for a real employer, they have to pay you twice a month. And it has to be, you know, well-defined on what day you get paid because of too many things like this happening. I think we should get paid out by the hour because we see direct deposits coming in every hour. Every hour, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean... That might work for you, but, you know, depositing like 10 cents per hour is my rate. <laughs> You'll pay more in fees then than the actual paycheck. Trust me, some U.S. senator thought of it. Like, yeah, we could tax it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. For our second topic, a bit of research out of the security firm InfoBlocks. A malicious link shortening service has been flying under the radar for over four years now, according to DNS records. Oh, there bit, is, yeah. <laughs> there is a malicious link shortening service called Prolific Puma that uses an algorithm to make short links, typically seven or eight letters long when you include the top-level domain, that redirects a user to a malicious web page. The web page can be a phishing page or a drive-by download the group does not care. It just provides the service. One of the most abused domain registrars is NameSilo, which offers cheap domain registration and an API to do bulk registrations. Prolific Puma has registered over 75,000 unique domains for this service since 2022 at at least $10 a piece. That's a lot of profit for the registrars, but they also could have used stolen credit cards. This is once again a reminder that DNS-based security that does not scan the entire payload of the destination website is not good enough. The link shorteners employ tactics like multiple redirects and CAPTCHAs to help stop automated analysis. So we just call it PP for short. Prolific Puma. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure they're going to be really happy about that. <laughs> I don't know that they did anything bad here, though. Ooh. Uh, yeah. And, and if you look at it, you know, they're understanding that the service that they're offering is, you know, a lot of reputation will sit there and say newly registered domains. We're not going to let things go through for, say, 30 days. So what your prolific Puma does is it holds that domain, it registers it, it holds it, it does some DNS queries, a few, to add a reputation to it. Therefore, it's not just uh, you know, newly observed as well. It's going to be an established domain. Then it sells it. Then it turns it over. So you know, it's certainly not doing any good, but it's an interesting service that they're offering. It's exactly what happened in, with Sunburst and SolarWinds. They sat on the domains for a year, and then they just popped them online so that they would not have that newly registered tag on it anymore. 
Just a game of cat and mouse, boys. But, and, and it's like, how do you use, and you were just bringing that up a, a moment ago, Chris, as well, from a DNS-based security perspective, how do, you, how do you assess this? How do you analyze this? How do you prove credibility of that domain so that you can block this? Are you sitting here with you know, multiple redirects? And are you redirecting from a URL you know, shortening here and redirecting five or six times? That's not legit. That's not normal. And so do you pick up on that behavior and then do you stop it? Do you block it? And again, a lot of DNS-based security is not going to do that. So it's like, what? how do we protect the organizations that are out there? How do we stop these types of services? Or to Brian's point earlier, are they doing anything wrong? Yeah, they're providing service yeah, just like bitly. But if the majority of your traffic is malicious, then you're going to have a problem. I think bitly hasn't come out yet and told us that they're servicing some bad stuff as well. They're behind this. Do they do anything on the back end? Yeah. But yeah, all, all the bitly links that are negative, they just get redirected to prolific Puma, PP for short. And uh, yeah. But, but this is like, again, like uh, DNS based security is like locking a screen door. I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. Like the uh, the bad guys hang out with the adults at layer seven, right? Don't be a don't be an idiot just doing dumb things. Gotta inspect everything. Yeah, I remember one of the DNS based security companies out there, they blocked some users' websites. It was a legitimate user. I think I can't I, I think the story was he created a new website and it was like a webcam to watch condors or something. It's like a webcam to see birds and it was like really interesting, it went viral. Tons of people started going there, and then this DNS-based security says, well, this is newly registered, and tons of people are going there. It must be malicious. So then it just blocked everyone from, from going to this website to watch a live stream of some birds. I can't believe there's enough people that want to watch birds generate <laughs> that trigger. <laughs> enough. My word, no. If you, uh, you know, when COVID hit, all these online websites, so zoos, people couldn't go. And all these websites were springing up where you could watch the pandas, you could watch the otter swim. Yeah, it, it was wild. All, all this new, hey, the, the, the stream or the panda is going to be online and the live stream from two to three. Therefore, you can tune in from two to three just to make sure you catch your favorite animal. So, no, it, it, I was shocked at how popular that became during COVID. So two things. You said, oh, my word, um, which is interesting. <laughs> you might as well said, oh, my Lanta. And then, and then, yeah, I don't think watching any animals live falls into my, my bucket list of the top million things that need to get done. You haven't watched a live stream of the Capybaras then, Brian? No, I don't know what that is. <laughs> unless, you, unless there was like a tourniquet. Do something wild with it. You can kill the animal and then have it delivered to your house. <laughs> that would be fun. I don't know that I want to eat beaver, though. <laughs> oh, you, you have got something just... Oof, something wrong with you, man. I don't know. Beaver's good eating if you ne never had it. I think yeah. I was watching alone. They make good some hats. Dude some Good hats, yes, but that is dark meat as well. So Brian already said he doesn't like that. 
Yeah, I think that's the other. That's the other thing we failed to double click on. Who doesn't like the dark meat of turkey? Everybody. Does anyone here actually like it? That's where the flavor is, man. Come on. Yeah, my family likes it. I'm a breast man myself. I like the white meat. Yeah, buddy. But the rest of my family likes the dark meat. So like, it ends up working out. You know, I I get the white meat, they get the dark meat, and we eat the whole turkey. Don't forget the ham. I mean, you all just you shot right past the ham. You got to bring in that ham along with the turkey. It's you know combine the two. So I mean, you're not wrong, but you're not right either. Like. It's a nice little, little side to, to, the, to the main course, but all I know is I, I've, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, normally I will make you know two to three turkeys, and there's always this a, a, a garbage pail full of dark meat just dark sitting there, meat. just real, you know, about to get wasted away. Maybe like a really good deep fried turkey, like maybe I'll pull the leg off and like gnaw into it, like a, like a homeless person, right? Celebrating, it's like you're walking around Disneyland with a giant turkey leg in your in your hand. Like you don't want to cosplay a Disney festival. attendee. I could. But what do you mean attendee? That is me. <laughs> I I can see Brian in the recliner watching football with that turkey leg, falling asleep watching. Yeah, just grease and juice dripping on his chest here. Do the chest mop. A little something for my wife later. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh, yes. So the, the, only, the, the only pictures the, of that we'll post it on Instagram. We will. All right. I would say that like this is like let's talk about this real quick because I'm I'm actually really hungry now. On my plate, it's very very simple. I'm gonna have my turkey. I'm gonna have my stuffing, and my mashed potatoes and gravies, and that's it. I don't have anything else. Green bean casserole? Nope. I'm not a terrorist. I don't need that. Do I need biscuits or? Uh, croissants? Nope, don't need that. That's just my go-to. Cranberries? Hell no. Get the hell out of my house. Need some fiber to push that through or you're going to have a rough night. Oh, I don't have a rough night at all, man. I <laughs> smooth sailing, buddy. <laughs> I, you didn't start with the salad before you even got there? Something? I mean... No, no, no. You don't need salad. That's, that's for losers. <laughs> that's the quote. You don't need salad. That's for loser. Brian Deach. I'll put it on a motivational poster somewhere. Put it on a t-shirt, yeah. Like, honestly, what, what's on your plate, Chris? Tell us. I think all of the above. Same, same as you, you know, the turkey, the ham, the mashed potatoes, the stuffing. But I usually do grab the green bean casserole or some kind of vegetable just because it's probably healthy to have that. Oh, no, no. I'll add that sweet potato casserole because there's nothing nothing healthy about it. There's enough brown oh. sugar and butter in that thing. If So that's a, that's something that doesn't hit the Deach household every time, but when it does, it is, it's a massive win. So I'm with you. Now, do you actually put the, uh, the marshmallows on top? So th- they are on there, and I will, like, scrape some of it off because it just gets way too sweet with it. So I... The, the yeah. answer is yes, but not all of it. So if I had it my way, like sweet potato casserole, it's good, right? And, and especially the brown sugar and all that good stuff. If I can just get my own sweet potato, microwave that stuff for like five minutes and then smash it all together and, and eat it. Now, now we're talking. Now, do you eat the skin of a sweet potato? I am not opposed to, to eating the skin. If like you just said, you're throwing it in the microwave. Obviously, in the casserole, it's not there. Yeah. All right. What about you, Christopher? 
I do not eat the sweet potato skins. Uh, is it because it was in the dirt and that's gross to you? You didn't want to catch COVID? You weirdo. Yeah, just <laughs> clean it well enough, I'm sure it's fine, but no, just not my preference. See, builds yeah, our same right. system. I'd eat some dirt, you know what I'm saying? Get your iron in for the day. Yep. All right. Hey, this isn't just Thanksgiving, so let's get back on topic, guys. Not I feel like I'm always podcast. bringing you guys back in. I'm always bringing you guys. <laughs> yes, always off Brian. topic. I got to bring you back home. <laughs> yes, Brian. Thank you, Brian. You're welcome. <laughs> for our third topic, this will be our botnet story of the week. When the U.S. FBI isn't busy arresting parents at school board meetings, they're actually doing some good in the world, and they and just this week they dismantled the IP Storm proxy botnet. The proxy botnet enabled cyber criminals, scammers, and others to evade blocks and remain anonymous by channeling their traffic through thousands of compromised devices in people's homes or offices. At their peak, IP Storm advertised they had up to 23,000 Windows, Mac, Linux, and Android devices under their control and ready to channel their malicious traffic through. These so-called residential proxy services are used for things like click fraud, sending spam through allowed IP addresses, credential stuffing attacks, and the like. A Russian national has pleaded guilty to charges of computer fraud and faces up to 10 years in prison. So I don't know if this passes the sniff test. Like Windows, got it. Android, got it. But really, you're going to tell me that you, part of your 23,000 was Mac and Linux? I don't know that I, I'm on board with that. I think they said it was originally the t- the kit was built for Windows and Linux and then eventually got ported over to Mac. And they wanted Android because a lot of IoT devices run some kind of Android OS. Yeah. Android is like, it's the bane of my existence. I feel like everybody's just like, you already sure you want to install this uh, flashlight app that's two gigs in size and needs access to your <laughs> camera, uh, your, <laughs> your all of your contacts and your audio? Uh-huh. Yeah, I do it. Got to find that jelly bean on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> so just go ahead and run it. Install it. Let it have access to everything and let it track you. Absolutely. So statistically speaking, I mean, not all 8 billion people in the world have a computer, but the penetration right here is atrocious. Like only 23,000 devices out of all the stuff that's out there. Yeah, like, I feel like I could do that with a Craigslist ad. But I think for what they wanted it, it was enough. So when you talk about a botnet like Mirai or Reaper or Satori, like you want hundreds of thousands of devices sending junk traffic. These are DDoS botnets to send junk traffic. But if all you need to do is just change your IP address, I think 23,000 is enough. Well, and if you read that article as well, what he made, he made, I think, half a million USD. And the FBI is going after him for a half a million. And that was, I think, the thing that jumped out at me, not the 23,000. Yeah, 23,000 seems like a low number, but the $500,000, or I think it was $550,000, is what he made off of the service. That's the, the number that surprised me more. Is that because it's super low or super high? It's low, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the, like for ransomware, I remember talking to our local uh, FBI special agent. And he said something like, if, if the loss is less than, I can't remember the number, it was like a million or three million. Like, we don't have enough agents in AUSAs to prosecute it. But I, I think it's not so much the dollar amount that he made, but the annoyance and how much damage that he caused with this this stupid botnet of 
having people getting you know credential stuffed or click fraud or just having these compromised devices out there it reminds me like when i was in in catholic grade school right and got in trouble by the the nun principal for like carving my name in a tire i'm like but what about the priest like you have bigger fish to fry don't worry about the the 550,000 that this dude is making on the side how'd you carve is that gonna make a cut? tire that's that's let's, let's double click on that well of course not only do i bring a gun to school but i would also bring my pocket knife and they had like uh this huge tire that uh was like a for one of the dump trucks right out there at the mine so I think if it was standing up straight, it was probably, I don't know, 10 feet tall, but it was on the side. And it was just a place for us to, like, you know, break our arms on. Anyways, just took a knife. Is this rubber, right? Just carve your name in there. And then everyone started doing it. Okay. See, now that there's some kind of, I thought you, like, carved your name into, like, a teacher's car tire or something. Like, you slashed oh. their tires or something. It's like, that might have made more you... sense. You just, you just vandalized, like, a, a toy structure, basically. Uncultured swine. Like, Nuns don't have cars. Jeez, dude. Ooh, but but it was also a trendsetter. So he started it, and then everybody else started doing it as well. But, you know, for all of the brains that he has, why in the world did he carve his name? Car- yeah. Carve in the name of your arch nemesis. Never put your own name True. on there, man. It's like Brian was here. No, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Dude. You have to understand, like, when we were kids, like, people were stupid. And I hope this this joke actually makes the, the podcast. But we're sitting there. Like, imagine you're in second grade. And, like, you're just, you're, like, you're just, like, trying to one-up each other, right? And I remember we're sitting there, uh, like, digging a hole in the sandbox. It was me, uh, Stephen York, and Michael Adonetto. And I was like, yeah, I know about sex. And then a couple of days later, they came back. They're like, yeah, we know about sex, too. We have sex with our mom. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Like, it was fine because we didn't know we didn't know what we were talking about. Of that. <laughs> no, no, I was like, oh wow, you guys are lucky, right? And then uh, it wasn't until like we actually find out like well, you know what actually happened. And so I, I ran into one of those two gentlemen. I was like, dude, do you remember saying this? They're like, yeah, I remember saying that. I was like, we were idiots. It's like the thing you don't speak about again. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> why did you remember that? Yeah, but the, these residential proxies are pretty annoying because things like credential stuffing attacks, remember Citrix had that problem a while ago. The actual Citrix, the company did that. And that's what they do because if you log in five times incorrectly from an IP address, they just block you. So if you have 23,000 IP addresses, you use one try per bot. That's 23,000 attempts yeah. that you have and, and Citrix can't detect that it's it's malicious or it's, it's a lot harder for them. Yeah. Start locking out accounts. And, I mean, you know, Kali Linux makes this super easy too. They actually have a script. I can't remember what the name of it was, but you just provided a text file of all your credentials you want to try jamming in there and have a good old time. Yeah. Well, they got them, and that's one less bot that we have to worry about. So they took down Mosey last week, then this IP storm is this week. So let's keep. Keep them coming. We need Emotet to finally get dismantled, finally, even though that one keeps coming back from the dead. Well, and that's the thing I was going to say is you cut off the head, but the question is, have those machines been cleaned? You may have taken down that the proxy itself, but the machines still need to be touched. They still need to be cleaned. Still, still vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. 
All right, so so Ben said clean. So I took a lot of flack for saying the word cleanse last week. So I said the botnet has been cleansed, and I got some blowback on that. But the the word cleanse means to clean. So I I think that's still an appropriate use of the word, even though Ben chose the better word, I guess. Well, I'm going to say disinfect. Disinfect. I, that's the thing is, okay. you know, as soon as a machine is, you know, is, uh, you know, owned, infected or anything, you know, I sit there and say, that's no longer my machine. That is now the cyber criminal or the attacker's machine. And we don't, you know, disinfect it. We rebuild it. We re-image it. Uh, so, you know, that. I'm not going to sit here and troubleshoot and say, I'm going to remove all nine of these files. I'm going to go here. I'm going to, you know, walk through there. A malware analyst might do that. I'm just going to re-image or rebuild. That's how we clean a machine. Yeah, and there's what some, do you want to bet? There's some places that are so strict that they're worried about a firmware level rootkit or something. They'll just throw it in a bin and just buy a fresh one from the manufacturer. I mean, which is nice if you have the money to do that. Like if you're the NSA or the CIA or something, but you know, Joe mom and pop's store or some hospital, they, they might not have enough money to throw something in a bin. I, I wonder, like, if you had the access to the back end, if you need a list of, like, all the stuff that's there, like, all the different, you know, servers, whatever, uh, refrigerators, like, right now, Samsung, right? Refrigerator PR team's like, oh, <laughs> uh, Adam, how much money do we have to give you guys to make this just go away? I know our refrigerator will, you know, play Alexa crap on there, but... It's like the scene from Silicon Valley when they hacked, was it Guilfoyle, hacked Jin Yang's refrigerator and made an obscene image play on the, the fridge. I missed that episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to go look that one up. I lost my train But the joke thoughts. here is that Samsung that. is so, <laughs> is so bad. Like, like there, I think there's a saying, it's like, what, what appliance do you, you know, should I buy for my new house? This not Samsung. Like when it comes to refrigerators, anything like 100% that, steer clear from it. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, we had a Samsung dishwasher. It lasted eight years, and we called the repair guys. Like, I'm surprised it lasted that long. Like, you got lucky. And then we bought a Samsung fridge, and yeah, we've had nothing but problems. With it. Don't buy Samsung appliances for sure. I was going to say, how long do no. you expect a dishwasher to last? Though, I mean, eight years is pretty good. It is. It is. But for a Samsung, the guy was surprised. Like, I, this thing should have crapped out years ago. He was surprised we made it last. Yeah, so eight long. months. Yeah. Oh no, my wife's been going going strong for fifteen years. So. Oh, I knew I knew someone was going to go there. <laughs> All right. On, on that note, for our last topic, and it will be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about driverless cars. So this is not self-driving cars, which we've had for a while, but true driverless cars. And I thought this was an interesting topic because I. Took a trip out to Phoenix this week. Brian was not in town, so I missed him. But he planned Phoenix, that on purpose. Phoenix is one of the few metro areas that has Waymo. So Waymo is owned by Google. It's their self-driving car division, and they they actually have true driverless cars. So you can call a Waymo; it picks you up. There's no driver in in the car. Uh, there's other places where Waymo can operate, but there's a driver there. They just don't touch the wheel. They take over in an emergency, but in parts of Phoenix, you can get these Waymo cars. It was interesting. The cost was cheaper than Uber. Not by a lot, but it was, it was one of those things. I just wanted to try it. Like this, I'm, I'm in the one area that allows it. I, like, I got to try it. So I, I tried out the driverless car. It 
the first thing I noticed is the wait times are way higher because there's way more Ubers and Lyfts on the road than these Waymo cars. So I think picking me up from the hotel to go to dinner, there's a 12 minute wait and there's only a one minute wait for an Uber. So I'm like, oh, I'll call the Uber, then I'll I'll take the Waymo on, on the way back. And as long as you plan ahead, so we were at the restaurant and I, I called the Waymo and said, well, I'll be there in 12 minutes. So I just waited in the restaurant for 11 minutes and I just walked outside when, when the Waymo came up. And it it displays your initial, you could tell to display initials or something on the top of the car. There's a little screen at the top. So you know that's that's your Waymo. The door, the car won't unlock until you use the app and you say unlock car. And then you hit the unlock, you get in and there's a start drive button in the car. You say start drive and then it just drives you to your your destination and there's there's no driver in it it's it's definitely different knowing that there's no driver there but it it was safe it it felt like as safe if not safer than than a human driver it reacted to certain things and when we were driving around in a in a regular car we saw a waymo like make a left turn and there's a car on the opposite side making a right turn that cut off the waymo car and the waymo like stopped like it it reacted really well and really quickly to somebody doing something stupid on, on the other side. No, no, two uh, things I two things on that uh, that come to mind. You know, you said it's a little bit cheaper, but I also think when you're taking the Uber, generally that's a I had 20 to 25% tip as well. Exact yes. Yeah, there's no tipping on the Waymo. I, I was what I was wondering if they would have that, you know, this whole stupid tipping culture here we in the US. Like, do you want to tip your Waymo software engineer that got you there? But no, there's no no option for a tip. Uh, but also you, you talked about the other thing. because uh, I you know, I got to see you last week. That was really cool. Uh, you know, Brian avoided me and flew flew home, you know, hours before <laughs> I, I landed there. So that, that that did hurt my feelings. Uh, but I took an Uber on the way home. From, from the airport as well. And yeah, I, I know these Uber drivers, they're doing this, they're, they're earning money, they're supporting their families. But this Uber driver that I get in and he jumps on the highway and I look down because we're passing everybody. And this guy's going like 80, 85 miles an hour. I'm like, well, we're not in a rush, buddy. Slow it down. <laughs> Time is money, Ben. <laughs> I get it. You know, I'm like, I, I, I'll, you know, I'll tip you a little bit more, but I, I want to get home in one piece. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, the so, car on surface streets, I, I did notice it locked at 40. It topped out at 45 miles per hour. So I don't know if that's a Waymo limit or if that was a speed limit for that particular road, but it, I, I noticed it would get up to speed at about 45. It would not go any faster than that. So I have two things. Number one, I can't believe anyone here has ever tipped more than 20% for, for Uber. Like, that blows my mind. I I can't even imagine. So good good for you, Ben. Way to, way to spend the company's money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and two, Christopher, thank you so much for telling me how you handled that 12-minute wait. Like, I waited 11 minutes inside the restaurant. I was probably when gone outside and started screaming. Where's my Where's my Waymo? Like, I, you know, thank you so much for that. Yeah, you're welcome. I don't know how I navigated it. Man, you would have stayed at the bar, had one more drink before going out, tipped your you know the bartender twenty two and a half percent, then you would have gone outside. <laughs> you know me all too well. So, so can you do emojis? Like on the on the on the, the screen? Oh, on the screen. I, I didn't try it. No, it. 
It just had my initial. It, it said you could change the color. You could change the letters. I was going to see if I could get clever and make it say like FU or something, but I'm like, nah, I won't bother. <laughs> you should have. Real man would have yeah. done that. I mean, it's just Unicode. I mean, it, it could do it. It's just whether or not they have the input validation to not display emojis. Yeah. I wish I had a SQL injection. Yeah, which is it's which is interesting also because both you I met up with Brian when I was out there. So Brian and Ryan, you guys are both native to the area and neither of you have tried this technology out. No, I, I'm an Uber guy through and through. I actually had to drive to the airport on Sunday because there was no Ubers. Like I did I did the Uber reserve like the night before. And I woke up, and it was like 10 minutes before I was supposed to be there. Like, we're sorry. I'm like, what the hell? I have to drive myself around. It's the first time ever. What's the point of reserving, then? No, they they do that to me all the time. And they charge you like an extra $20 for a reservation fee. And then they cancel 10 minutes before. I'm like, what? No, this is not okay. Are are you out in the sticks as well? Or what's going on with you, man? I'm just outside Raleigh. It's, you know. It's, I, I guess, the suburb the suburb of Raleigh. So I'm not you know, in downtown by, by any means, but my goodness. It takes me about, I think, right right with there with Chris with 10 minutes for an Uber to show. Yeah, Certainly not one your, minute. Had to drive your car there and park it there then, Brian? Yeah. I just have to remember when I get to the airport to not make a beeline for the Uber and leave, leave, <laughs> leave there. your car there. I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I might actually do that. But but Brian's a nice guy because Brian jumped in his car, opened his Uber app, said he was available to pick up somebody else on the way. Yeah, all around good Uber driver. <laughs> all I know is like I let like it was it wasn't too bad, but I typically travel t shirt shorts, and so I jumped in my my Bronco and I realized crap, I, I took the top off. And so, like, it was kind of a chilly ride to the airport. I know it's going to be <laughs> even more fun on the way back, but whatever. Didn't plan ahead on that one. Just throw your hoodie yeah. on and you're fine, man. I forgot it, though. I didn't, yeah. I just had my black hat. Oh, look at that. I'm about to go. My, I was a fully charged battery when I got here, and it's almost dead now. Thank you, CrowdStrike. And <laughs> <laughs> Jamf. The one thing I will say about the the Waymo that a human driver wouldn't have done. So I I was right outside the service area, so I had someone drive me to the service area just to take the 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 Waymo to the restaurant. And it doesn't do precise pickup. Like I was standing in front of a grocery store, it couldn't pick me up in front of the grocery store. So it had me walk like five minutes away to the pickup point, which is and you know, Uber can pick you up. And these things will get better as with with time as they get more experience the the waymo cannot drive on the airport they'll drop you off at the train station you have to take the train to the airport and then the last thing is i sent brian this video but the when the waymo is picking me up there's a designated spot and i was standing there and then the waymo just drove past me did this really complicated loop around the parking lot just so it could turn around i didn't know the concept of like a three-point turn to turn around so that was an added an extra two minutes to the to the ride I would have, number one, see if it would run you over, right? If it doesn't run you over, at least then, then you can like unlock and see what happens. Yeah. I wonder if that's because it was like, it did the complicated loop because it was just like, well, I got to make this loop anyways to exit back out. So how about I go do that, come back over there and get you? 
I mean, it could, it could have, but it would have been easier. The, the, the parking lot was practically empty, and it could have done a three-point, like a quick three-point turn in one of the spaces, but it decided to do this really complicated loop around the parking lot instead. Uh, okay. Now, it's got some bugs to work out, but overall, you know, nine out of ten ride. No, no, I, but I'm glad for your feedback here because I haven't taken one yet, so, but now I know. Yeah, it integrates with your Google account since they're owned by by Google, so it's pretty easy to sign up. And it was, yeah. I don't know where else they operate, but I know Phoenix is one of the areas they do. But give it a give it a shot when when you can. Well, I'm gonna be there well, in like three you. weeks, so come on. Yeah, I'll just pick you up, Ben. Tell me what time you arrive at the airport, and I'll make time for you. I might be busy though. Been back <laughs> Cancel ten minutes before. Put the top <laughs> yeah. on the Bronco by then. No, no, I'm I'm keeping it off for the remainder until until summer. I'll we'll have some cold days, but that's all right. Yeah, wear the hoodie in a in a in a beanie. <laughs> a beanie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, our guest Ben is up. Oh wow, Benjamin, put me on the spot. All right, here you go. All right, Brian, here. What do you call an illegally parked frog? What's that? What? Toad. Kermit Parking. Toad. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Toad. There's a dad joke if I've ever heard one. Good job. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> All right. To wrap things up, be wary of reshipping job offers. URL shorteners try to defeat DNS-based security tools. The FBI takes down a proxy botnet. And driverless cars are the future. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. Rate us five stars to the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show best way to find us is to search for the Pepcac podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. I'm host Brian Deach and our guest Ben Quarrel. I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see y'all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Bye, Felicia, in memory of Glenn. Glenn, I know if you're listening to this right now, you're probably feeling better, but I, I don't. I want to tell you this from my from deep down in my heart. You need to get better. In memory of Glenn, you're sucking. talking like he died or something. In <laughs> no, honor of Glenn not being here. No, in memory. He just sucks at his job. I want to get better. <laughs> the amount of love that is shared is is always awe-inspiring to me. Oh, he's got to throw it. The walkers are coming, Coral. Walkers, Coral. Yeah. Have a nice day.